kids official sliding on the instrumental nordic combos twist your mental like forbidden peace to the public and power to the people yes sir back again listen look i need y'all man every single person who is hearing my voice right now i appreciate you i I need you and i welcome you to this space where the vulnerable are powerful and the most gangster thing you can do is serve. this is the all the way live podcast this is indeed the All The Way Live podcast, and we do this thing on a weekly basis with my brother, Miles Xavier, and what we do is come here to give you all that carefully curated content for your cranium. We dedicate ourselves to doing research, uh, diving deep into some of the conversations and topics and things that you guys are interested in, and we bring them to you. We do it for one reason and one reason only. And that reason is to be able to continue to spread love. We do it so we can continue to spread love, man, because we know, we absolutely know that depression rates are through the roof, that loneliness is through the roof, that people are really going through it and dealing with real life stuff. So what we do over here at this platform is that we dedicate ourselves to give y'all positive energy. We give y'all that positive energy through this carefully curated content, man. And we do this on a weekly for y'all. Big facts. Big facts, big knowledge, you know what I'm saying? Big creativity, you know, big community up in the building. Speaking of which, speaking of community, Exeter is in the building uh, by way of Johannesburg through my brother's way and my boy on the boards, Hassan, you know what I'm saying? We got we to shout out the family, the live house team. Uh, and on this, Sir. Side, on this side, you know what's going on, man. This podcast is recorded on stolen land. This land here in Chicago, the city that I'm from, that I'm grateful to be in, to speak to you from, was cared for by the Potawatomi people, First Nations, the folks that were here taking care of this land before anybody laid claim to it. And the violence done to remove them from this land is inseparable from the violence that we see in this city today, this country today, and this world today. So with that, we lift up love for indigenous people the world over. We lift up love between black and brown people the world over to improve the spaces that we inhabit, uh, to continue to build community, uh, and to learn from our history. Uh, Like that, the intro is over. Let's get into the show. I'm going to ask you, Miles, to check your microphone settings one time while we get into the show. Yeah, 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 I get that, I get that, but is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard? Yo, man, one of the things that we do on this show is talk about impact and make sure that all of our content is impact related. Miles and I are passionate community organizers and activists within our own right, within our various communities. And so we'd like to make sure that the people that are doing that good work get highlighted. Check out our Instagram page where you'll be able to find more of that. And this week is no different with our impact spotlight. Oh, man, this one... Oof. I mean, I was going to say hits close to home, but that might not even be the appropriate language. Big facts. Um, this is this is a real one. There's some there's some folks in crisis and we've had the the privilege um, from our position and, and being prepared through our foundation, through the wonderful folks that that support the foundation um, to try and contribute to, to help some of the folks that are in need. Um, but the flooding uh, in KZN has been devastating. Um to infrastructure, to people's homes, um, loss of life, over 400 people, 
have passed away as a result of the flooding. Um, it's tough. It's tough. So we definitely, definitely lifting up love for, for Durban right now. Definitely. And one of the difficult things about what happened in Durban that we highlighted last year, uh, last episode, is that unfortunately a lot of the people that did, um, that are affected by this are impoverished people. Um, it's uh, the poor communities are the ones that are most impacted by this. And because of that, there's a lack of coverage that's going to there. And there's kind of been a, a, a mute in terms of how uh, devastating this really is. Like my brother Mao says, we have been privileged to utilize our system to mobilize and do a call for uh, donation and sponsorships. We've been partnering. We have partnered with a local uh, organization in Durban and we'll be able from next week to start dishing out some of those food packs and san sanitary packs to families in Durban. So thank you to absolutely everybody that has been on our Buy Me Coffee, that has shared on, boom, look at that. Our boy Hassan pulling it right up. Shout out. We got uh, the, this is our Buy Me Coffee page over here where you see some of our uh, Mandula Foundation leaders. Uh, one pack, I believe, costs $10, Mouse. Yeah, yeah, but you ain't got to stop there, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you can contribute, um, please do. We're trying to get resources directly to the people. Um, and thank you again, again, again. Big gratitude to everybody who's already donated, everybody who's already reached out. Um, that has been a highlight of my week and has lifted me up just to be reminded that the folks out there care. Uh, so if you care, go on and jump to the Buy Me A Coffee. Uh, we'll put the link in the description uh, and, and hook up and help some folks. Definitely, definitely. What we do over here is empower folks. We give you all that information. We give you all that carefully curated content. Brother Miles Xavier, this week ain't no different. What are we going to be talking about? Man, this one feels like an old friend uh, has, has taken ill, you know? This is, this, is a, this is almost a member of the community that's been riding with us for, for years now. And I would almost feel bad for Netflix, um, you know, as much as it's held me down through couch sessions, all the chilling, appreciate that. But then I remembered something. Netflix killed Blockbuster. So this might just be karma coming back around. Nothing lasts forever. All empires must fall. It sounds to me like you're getting right into our stumble upon topic of the day. Let's get into it. So, I would ask you uh, if you have Netflix, <laughs> but you have my Netflix. So our Netflix is in trouble. Oh, no. Our Netflix is in trouble. And specifically, what we're going to be talking about today is the fact that Netflix recently announced that it would start cracking down on, pa on password sharing. Miles, indeed, you are right. You are the bearer of our Netflix key. And I hope this does not bring unwanted eyes and attention to us. But that being said, what are we going to do? I'm so worried. I. Don't know what we're going to do. Are we going to do anything? Do we need Netflix anymore? What was the last thing that really slapped that you watched on Netflix? 
I don't want to say the last thing that I watched of quality off of Netflix. I do enjoy their stand-up catalog. I think is is quite stellar. I watched um un, uh, Ultimatum. I recently watched Ultimatum. Um, if you've seen it, it's like these couples that are like engaged with me or or else, and then they put them all together. There's like for two months or whatever, y'all can intermingle as single people and figure out if you like living with somebody else and dating somebody else. And if not, you can come back and marry your person and stay with them. So they let you form a new couple, stay with that person for a month and then go back and stay with your person a month later. Ah, okay. That sounds like quality television. Uh, are we, are we, are we counting that as a win for Netflix? Are we counting that as like, is that, is that, is that evidence that Netflix is fire or is that evidence that Netflix is the daytime reality TV, uh, of 2002 now? And that has been some of the criticism that people have been saying about Netflix and why a usership has been decreasing at such a vast rate. Uh, last we heard, 200,000 subscriptions have been lost since this year alone in Netflix, 200,000. They said that by June of this year, they said to have lost 2 million subscribers. And people are just saying, this is just daytime TV. The last thing that I watched, I slapped was Squid Games. Squid Games slapped. Squid Games. Oh, and Top Boy. So Squid Game, Top Boy, the other one that I would throw in that joint is um the the Kevin Hart joint, the um true story. That was on Netflix, Good. right? Indeed. So I think we can point out some gems. Um and I think I guess my next thought goes to so there is still some good con- good content on Netflix, but has it fallen off from where it was? Or was it always kind of mid? We just didn't have as many other options. You you you're a movie buff, right? And you're very deep into the the history of movies and whatnot. So I, I was very interested to, to hear what you had to say about the quality of Netflix movies there. But I think at some at one particular point, Netflix accounted for almost fifty percent of all uh, traffic on the internet. And undoubtedly, we have just come out of COVID, where all streaming services had seen a boom. And in that same boom, that's where a lot of competition started to creep up. Now Netflix. Netflix got some cool things on it, but that HBO boy, that Disney Plus, yeah, especially, especially that HBO. The HBO Max might be the one, low key. Uh, find yourself a uh, a friend to share their their HBO password. You got that over there in the UK, though. We don't, uh, but do we have HBO? There we go. There we go. <laughs> but you, you know what I'm saying. But so it's it's interesting because yeah, I think. Netflix at one point, because just of the market share it had, right, like was able to uh, was able to really like make hay when they was on top, right? Like once they the they shifted from the mail subscription thing to the uh, to like the digital streaming service, they were out of here. And I think really the only thing that slowed them down was movie studios deciding. We're going to now there's other places that are licensing the content. Right. So rather than your movie hits theaters, then it comes out on DVD and then you add it to Netflix. Now companies have to decide. All right. Is it our own content? Disney. We keeping that uh, Peacock. 
I don't know who they think they are. They, I, I don't know when nobody that is paying for Peacock, but you feel me. Uh, now all of these different content houses are saying dibs and and thinning out um, the selection of Netflix just by where these other movies are licensed. And so Netflix was fire at one point, and it was a and there and there was there was a time when I knew Netflix was fire because it seemed like every movie that I would go out of my way to watch, I would see on Netflix a couple of weeks later. But that's not really the case anymore. And we've seen kind of the transition of how our relation with movies and theaters are, especially over COVID, where there was almost a quicker demand for movies that would be released on cinema to very then quickly show up on, um, on streaming services. And at that point, who has the advantage is the big studios because they're able to create their own movies, which is how, as you had put it, how Netflix moved from just renting out DVDs to now having to create the content once the distribution part part of Netflix went down. Because as you said, back in the day, what Netflix uh, was a red box. It was just a red box that you'd go to. You'd uh, hire a DVD, would slide out. It was super innovation. You know, it could be mailed to you. It was was crazy stuff in the era of the DVDs and the Blu-ray eras, you know? Uh, but then over time, as now everything moves online, they got to compete with who's putting the stuff out. Like you put Disney, they've got Avengers. They've got the, the Marvel Universe. They've got all these deep, deep, deep catalogs of art. And Netflix just is unable to keep up, which is why I started throwing gang cash at questionable movies like Bright. Dang. Well, you got to kick Will Smith while he's down, bruv. It's <laughs> <laughs> messed up, man. No Will Smith slander, man. Leave that man alone, fam. That was, a, that was not a good movie, though. It was better than Project Power, though. I'll tell you that. Jamie Foxx. <laughs> Yo, Jamie Foxx. What the hell, man? <laughs> Yo, but rather than, rather than slandering all the terrible movies that have come out on Netflix, um, I think... It's it's struggled to carve out its own lane, right? It's tried to create its own its own content. Um, it's tried to be the the house of you know dropping the entire season of a show and people binge, right? Like Netflix is the house that binging built, but none of that is exclusive to Netflix. You dig, and that's the issue. They don't. There's nothing that Netflix has or provides that none of these other streaming services can provide, right? And so that's a that's a hard model to to stay afloat from. But they've had an incredible run, a crazy run as a company. An incredible run. So much so that they only started losing users now. Losing users now. Bro, we do this English thing. Bars. <laughs> kick a beat. <laughs> you saw me almost, you saw me almost kick a beat though. That's muscle memory. That's- <laughs> muscle memory, muscle memory. So they only started losing users now after a decade of um, after a decade of having nothing but uh, growth. So what they're saying is that because of having to pull out of Russia, which lost them about seven hundred thousand users, that impacted it. Obviously, the password sharing estimated estimated number of people sharing passwords allegedly one hundred million people is what and I two. read. <laughs> uh but it's it'll be interesting to see how they do that how they try and crack down on on password sharing because there's yeah uh, yeah it'll be interesting to see how they do that because there is so much 
legitimate use by single users across different devices and different spaces. It's one of the most like to be able to use Netflix while you travel, especially uh, once they implemented that you could download certain things off of the platform. Um, it'll be that'll be really hard for them to regulate. Um, and it'll be how are they going to throw money at that and continue to create content? And they just have they have a lot on their on their plate as a as a company. And it's interesting, like sometimes I'm thinking of like Kleenex, right? Like you have this product or this company that makes a product that fills a service that's so uh, uh, unique or new that the name becomes synonymous with like the activity, right? Like Kleenex is a brand, but that's what people in like the U.S. say as tissue. Like, let me get a Kleenex, right? Netflix mm-hmm. has been that for streaming, but without a, a specific foothold in the industry that's exclusive to netflix it's gonna everybody else is gonna you know kleenex netflix might not be the top selling brand of tissue streaming you dig bars bars oh yeah and that's and that's how that goes with uh, the competition levels like you're saying it's getting more expensive to produce movies binging culture is changing the way that we engage with that content more sadly and maybe this happened over covid too there's no more Netflix and chill. There's no more Netflix and chill for real. I don't know if we can get that off anymore. If uh, Netflix and chill is, is is still an option. And those are the percentages that I didn't find in my research. So if anybody would like to confirm and verify that Netflix and chilling is still on the table, hit up my boy's way. You know what I'm saying? Go ahead and throw it in the comments. Don't be shy. We will get back to you. You know what I'm saying? There you go. <laughs> Thanks, brother. Getting right to the essence of what I was really trying to get to. There you go. There you go. What is the... Have you ever tried to Netflix and chill and you either threw on a movie that was too interesting that y'all both ended up just watching it or you threw on a movie that was a horrible choice and it killed a vibe? Has that ever happened to you? Oh, you're, you're talking about uh, that uh, Criminal Mastermind, uh, that Criminal Mastermind show. With the uh, no, you threw on some, you know, you threw a true crime trying to Netflix <laughs> chill. Yo, those those investigations were were quite peak, dude. There's there's nothing that can happen when you have to really get down to the heart of who disturbed this quiet town in suburban Eastern America. That is hectic behavior, my G. I feel like you can. That's that's what you do with your, like the wifey. Like y'all know each other, so we can both watch this murder happen, and we like. I don't know about watching murders with strangers, <laughs> but yeah, it sounds like so it kind of sounds like you're shaming. No, I don't mean to shame you, bro. I don't mean. To, I asked the question. I asked the question, but hopefully you learn from that that ain't doing that one again. <laughs> no, Which no. one stick out to you as a as a connoisseur of movies? No, I ain't gonna cap. The first time I I threw Top Boy on, just like before I really knew what it was, just like on some like, yeah, this is this is. Like, just as, like, this is the vibe of my crib. Like, oh, you pulled up? I was in the middle of watching Top Boy. I forgot you were coming over type shit. Nigga, I got so sucked into that. <laughs> I'm just, she, she's sitting on the couch. I'm sitting, like, I'm sitting like this. Like, looking like this. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. Word. Yeah, good day? That's crazy. Bruv, what, what's, somebody took the food. This is crazy. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I definitely, yeah. Nothing happened. You came out of there with a different accent, didn't you? We've seen it happen all the time. You start oh, talking yeah. boy speaking one way, you end up speaking a different way. Just mentioning it now, I'm in danger of slipping into an accent. 
No cap. And I hope that us being over here in Exeter and in the UK allows us to use some of the UK slang, which we shall borrow as we go into the next segment of what we have to speak about, Mr. Miles Xavier. Back. Yo, so <laughs> the internet hates cars, bro. I'm getting right into it. I'm, I'm going to waste time. Turns out the internet hates cars. This show, it's important to note, man, the things that we do for this show. This show forces us to do research all week. You know, and shout out to our producer. Shout out to Hassan on the ones and twos, keeping us lit with the imagery, with the flyness. Brings to us a topic. He says the internet is in a frenzy and they hate cars. Y'all need to check it out. And so we set ourselves on the investigation. Miles, the week later, here we are. Why does the internet hate cars? Mm, cars are bad, okay? Uh, I guess there's there's pollution reasons, there's space reasons, there's infrastructure reasons. Uh, cars are racist. So it's really... <laughs> I saw that. I saw that. I was like, yo, cars are racist too. <laughs> Big facts. And we can we can get into that too. But it's like it's it's wild because it's wild because and I love this conversation. And and so many of the conversations on this show, I think it's it's important that they be about these big ideas where when we talk about like the world we live in, it sounds super radical to remove cars, right? But places are doing it. Places are making these giant changes. And it's benefiting society. And I think it's important for us to all be reminded and in some ways get used to the idea that we can make drastic changes to infrastructure and to the way that we live for our own benefit. Um, it's just hard. It's, it's hard. So specifically, and again, uh, to some of our listeners with sensitive ears, ma. We're gonna the where the movement started is <laughs> our fuck cars. <laughs> oh my god! No, that's beautiful. That's another beautiful thing about this show: having to preface having three sentences in front of a curse word for our moms. For our moms, shout out! I hope they enjoy that core listeners. But uh, our fuck cars, which is a <laughs> <laughs> now every time you say it, I'm, I'm like, oh no! <laughs> oh, that's funny. My bad. On Reddit, which is a information aggregating and news aggregating and content rating platform, which is really dope, actually. And it used to be owned by Serena Williams' husband, who recently sold his shares so that they could diversify the board. Some really cool stuff. Reddit, our fuck cars. There's a, a conversation that, that starts over there in April, uh, recently, in this year. And pretty much highlighting, like you said, some of the negative effects from emissions to cost of inconvenience to racism of cars. And so kind of going into it, what I found particularly interesting about this, uh, what I found pretty interesting about diving into this, and like you said, it's hard to change the world. But what was cool is to see how people were working together on so many of these different platforms. You know, you start in RFA cars and then you, you kind of 
keep scrolling through what Reddit has to offer and see how different folks are engaging each other to push on topics. It's it's kind of cool. It is cool. It is cool. And it's always dope to see like social media and platforms like that being used for dope conversations rather than just nonsense, right? Uh, a lot of Reddit is wonderful, dope nonsense, but it's really dope that it can, that it has this side too. Um, this is, this is a funny conversation because I actually like, I, I was very, um, I thought a lot of what I found about, about carless cities and infrastructure was very uh, convincing, right? But I'm somebody who has always loved my cars, right? Like shout out the Volvo, the Stratus, the Maxima, uh, you know what I'm saying? Uh, my, my, my current car, all of them, I've, I'm music and being in a car, are two things that go hand in hand for me. So it's crazy to even be like thinking about getting rid of cars. Um, but I just, yeah, it's, 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 it's not an easy thing even for me as an individual. Cause like some of my best memories are in cars and around revolve around driving around with the homies. And so, uh, it's horrible, man. Like shout out to Hassan pulling up this image. Uh, it's to be confronted with the reality that like, oh snap. Yeah. I low key been destroying. Not that we didn't know that, but like, you know, that you destroying the environment, driving cars and that there's a better way. It's hard once you realize there might be a better way. Then you're like, oh man, gotta know to be a hypocrite. It's tough. I do. There is some validity to the carbon emissions that cars produce and the process of creating cars produce, right? There is some, there is some validity to it, but it's, I'm always very conscious and careful with how statistics and numbers are used in order to come to a conclusion, especially one of this nature. So if we look at the contribution of carbon emissions from the car making process, they say that's about 4% a year, right? To the total total contributing uh, about 80 million cars are produced a year 80 million cars that's crazy 80 million cars are produced a year um so there, there's some there's some cool uh, there's some cool things to watch out for from data uh, in in data data collecting right people like david spiegelhalter um talk about these types of things you know these are these uh these data folks and they speak about framing and being careful of using framing so you could almost make a direct correlation and say the increase in the number of cars is directly correlated to the increase of the beefs in hip hop. And because of that, we need to be able to stop cars because they're causing beefs in hip hop. So you can utilize data in a way to be able to make it agree to each other in a certain effect. So what I was looking out for when they said ban cars, I was like, all right, cool, I get it. Let's ban cars, guys, that's fine. Um, however, what's more important to be able to also look at is how much of a push in income earning potential happens when you do have a vehicle what are some of the solutions for vehicles helping places where public transport is not readily available so should we ban cars maybe we should have a more effective usage of it but banning cars completely i don't know is something i can fully get behind yeah i mean i think an important part of that that conversation too is that um we can't just ban cars like other things that we've talked about banning right um i think when we talk about and to use a word that we're familiar with right abolition where we're not just it's it's a it's a it sounds like detracting it always sounds like you're taking something away and you are but the the key part about that 
when we're whenever we're having these conversations seriously is that you can't just take the thing away. You have to add new infrastructure that allows society to operate without that thing that you took away. So we're talking about we can't remove cars before we create infrastructure that helps people uh, walk, bike and use public transportation to get places faster. Right. So if we look at some of the ways that um, the removal of cars has been implemented around the world, right, it is something that takes years, right? It ain't like I, you know, the president gets on the, like, I, uh, mic check, yep, no more cars starting now. You got five minutes to get home, no more cars, right? Like, it ain't going down like that, right? So, like, in Oslo, what they first did, um, and they've been extremely successful in removing cars from, like, their downtown area, um, and so before I even get into what they did, cause I want to, I want to let you kind of respond. I was just going to add that, um, yeah, not only does it take years, but it's also ban cars from where, from entire cities, from certain sections of cities to create green space, right? Like again, in these abolition conversations, we have to be very specific about what we mean by ban cars. You're right. There, you can't be able to just look at a watch and say, "Betty car is starting now." That's that's kind of it. It's, takes a while to do it, which is why things like the Paris Agreement and some, the Paris Accord and the Climate Agreement regulations and carbon emission regulations that are being put into place um, are looking the way that they are. Like you had said in Oslo, they've been very successful of that, and so in that same Scandinavian region. You have places like Norway and Sweden that are saying that by 2030, they're banning the production of diesel-powered cars and opting more so to move towards electric vehicles or things of that nature. So my, my thing about this solution is that it is predicated on a society operating at an optimal. So when we look at where these things have been successful... It's in societies that have been able to overcome some of the more pressing things that come first, which is like basic access to healthcare, um, a decent schooling system, and and things of that nature. So in those countries, definitely you can be able to do so. Which is why I like what you said so much about the fact that it can be the only solution to it. It's something that has to come after some other things have been put into place. And so when I look at the some of the situations, say in South Africa, where 40% of low-income household salary are spent on commuting. 40%. 40% are spent on commuting. This is not on the bullet train. This is not on the tube. This is on just taxis. You know, just these 12, 14, 16 people in a car taxis pushing it through. So there's banning cars in that situation wouldn't alleviate the cost. You know, there's a lot more nuance that has to come into it. but there is a tangible cost of cars being made, cars being used. Something interesting is that for each new driver, that's a that's an additional three minutes, 38 seconds of car time spent. Dang. But I want to go back to what you said. So wait, why wouldn't that why wouldn't removing cars work in that situation? So what would make more sense is being able to give people in a in a, in a position to be able to purchase. Uh, they own vehicles, right? Because the there is no reliable, there is no reliable transport system. Um, it's quite precarious and is prone to go on strikes and unregulated price hikes. The safety features on the public transportation system don't work. So, 
what how they did it in South Africa, which is actually um, something that is being recreated in Palestine now, is they have isolated a they isolated the black folks during the apartheid times to be far away from the main city and have purposefully made it far away from the main city uh, for whatever apartheid reasons, right? But it would it takes longer for people in those townships to be able to reach the, the main city. So first, if you want to take away the cars, you need to introduce a system that can replace the transportation system now. So I wouldn't make removing the cars a priority. I'd make improving the transportation system a priority, which in itself might be a solution to people not buying more cars. Yeah, I think I think I think I agree with you. I think the point of like I think what I'm actually hearing is that it is possible. You would have to do alterations to the public transportation system first, but I don't think that they have to be it has to be or right? So like um, two things I want to touch on, kind of the process that happened in Oslo, and then we said cars were racist. So I want to go back and, and just do a little <laughs> bit of explaining. Definitely, <laughs> we need to touch on the racist cars. So, but so, and and again, going back to the idea that this, this happens over time, right? So in Oslo in 1990, right? Uh, this is before I was born. So good things are slow burns, right? Um, in an effort to start reducing the number. So like the vision is let's start reducing the number of cars. The first thing they did in 1990 was they moved the main road system underground into tunnels. Right. So that one created immediately more walking space above on the surface and two started to allow people to envision a world without cars, because as they were walking around, they weren't seeing them in the same way. Right. 10, 15, 17 years later, they remove, so 2017, no, I'm tripping. That's 27 years later. 2017, the first 350 parking spaces are removed from their downtown center. So right there, I'm just like a while, right? Then you start to speed up the process, right? We've, we've created this other infrastructure and now we start to get rid of cars. In 2018, they started removing parking, more parking spaces and limited the actual traffic that cars were able to move around in the downtown, right? Uh, and it had benefits to their whole community. In that shopping district where they removed cars from that downtown, sales of the all the stores went up 10%, right? Like the average spending, right? They created more green spaces. Um, and so I think it's I think it's a both and. I think we can have the vision for removing cars, but that not be the first step. I will tell you this, I'm all for automated cars and autonomous cars i'm all the way here for that the future where we can just pop into the back and have a full-on driving experience without having to actually oh having the option to do the driving will be dope what it looks like is the future that we're going into you won't even be allowed to drive you won't be Word. allowed to drive that's yeah. how it goes because and this is one of the things that they kept on pointing out other than the cars are racist is that cars are a causes of tons of deaths Word. They kill people, they cause accidents, they pollute, and they hate black people. Why? Yeah. Uh, so, racist cars. Uh, <laughs> not the beloved Disney film. <laughs> this isn't a sequel gone wrong. But it's, it's, it's crazy because the infrastructure 
that cars use has often been used to segregate cities. So you just spoke about that being the case in, in South Africa, right? You place a city out here, you make sure that the only way to travel back and forth is by car. Not everybody can afford a car. You very much limited the ability of people to, to leave their community that you've segregated them off in. Here in Chicago, a great example is the Dan Ryan Expressway. Um, the Expressway was built along a road called Wentworth, which was also called the Deadline, which literally referred to if you were Black and you crossed the line, you were dead. If you crossed Wentworth over into the uh, Bridgeport neighborhood, um, and so they literally built a highway on top of this street that represented this segregation point so that even if you wanted to cross it, you, you would have to cross six lanes of, of highway, right? Uh, it's, and then jump into the UK where a lot of we're talking about the removal of cars and vehicles. Uh, in, in, bro, in the UK, they would, similar to what you said in South Africa, right? They would put, they would force... Um, minority populations to live in these areas outside of town. And then because they not a lot of people could afford cars and had to travel by these double-decker buses, they would build low bridges that the buses couldn't even pass through, fam. Like, that, like, I was reading wow. that, bro, and I had to, like, take a second. Like, yeah. That's crazy, it's fam. It's and absolutely wild. a lot of those bridges are still there. That's the more crazy part, too, is that they're still there. Obviously too large to be able to go through this purposefully low bridges that they put on there. I don't know what more, what other form of, uh, what other form of segregation you'd like to be able to see, but that is a consequence of it. And so when you look at um, the relationship in some of these places that, uh, that minorities have with access to adequate transportation, be it car or public transport or public transport, they system systemically have been put there's hurdles that have been put in those places. So it kind of have have you you have you said you haven't seen the latest episode of Atlanta, have you? Mm-hmm. It's real quick for there's a real dope they they have an episode where they kind of go through the life of a white person as like a Black Lives Matter and cancellation is happening around them and how they engage with it. But they get to a point where dude is just completely unable to understand. Um, he, he's speaking to, he, he meets another guy and the guy is just like, you see how now you've been canceled for something that you have no control over. Your child is going to be fatherless and your wife now hates you and she's going to have to create that by herself. And you're a victim of a circumstance that really had was just passed on to you, had nothing to do with you. He goes, yeah, because that's exactly how they feel every day. So it's like, you think about, some of the hurdles that are in front of people to be able to even jump out. And then you start getting down to the place where it's like, man, there's circumstances that have been put here that might even have been forgotten, but are still impacting people right now. Word and word. And that's, man, you put that so beautifully and it's, and it's, it's painful and frustrating when the response to, Hey, we still got these low bridges, like, like, can we get rid of these infrastructural blocks to equity? And they'd be like, why are you talking about old stuff? That was like, yeah. we built them bridges a long time ago. You you talking to me, you here, we in the same room, so we good. But like, mm-hmm. and it's and it's 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 the lack of acknowledgement that precedes the 
inevitable lack of addressing the issue that has folks out in the street and has folks thinking about doing things a different way, um, in radically different ways. And I'm all for that. One of the cool things about looking at our place and looking at uh, Reddit and the whole community over there was actually just how people were really uh, what were pushing to be able to work together and how people were joining together for a similar cause. Uh, specifically, uh, I don't know if you came across like a uh, Rainbow Road and all that, all that, uh, all that collaborative artistic work that was happening on on Reddit in 2018. It was actually pretty dope, right? With the um, our place where pretty much each person represents a single unit of image or whatever. And people are kind of like working together to create these large, um, to create these large images. And it's just like literally every image represents every part of that image represents a person and over a million users were using that. And there's times where you, you could see some images were like attacking other images. It was really, it's some really cool internet stuff, but all of them joining together. Right. So when things like, our fuck cars comes around and you 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 see it it's like oh this name might be you know the name is is crass or crude or whatever behind that there's a whole bunch of young people that are thinking to themselves yo this ain't right let's say something about it let's all get together and speak out about it and that's something that we always support big facts shout out to all the reddit radicals out there you know what i'm saying we stand in solidarity with sarah uh, we can't speak but we do stand in solidarity with y'all um and if you Anybody who's who's out there, anybody in the audience um, knows of any dope projects that we should that we should check out or highlight that are kind of um, being crowdsourced or put together by groups. Uh, let us know. I would love to check out some of that stuff. It's amazing what people can do, man. Humans are dope. Humans are dope. Humans humans are very dope, and uh, uh, we have some dope humans that we get to talk about again in the people's favorite part of the show. Oh man, big dope, big dope, double dope. Let's get it. Listen, it's a it's an honor to do this thing. It's an honor to be back in this uh, recommended and review uh, the show, the part of the show that you tell us that y'all love. Um, and we got two for you today. We still catching up on albums that we missed. Uh, and we are not, it hasn't, it hasn't, uh, we both know that there's more albums that we got to review. Uh, so that's all coming soon. If you have any suggestions, please let us know. But today, Vince Staples, Ramona Park broke my heart. Ooh. Vincent Staples, Vincent Staples, Vince Staples is on a tear right now. Um, what I'm, what I'm, quite happy with Vince Staples about is that after 2014, after, um, after, after 2014, when he was dropping big fish theory and he was dropping prima Donna, um, after summertime 06, which was an incredible mixtape that he, that he dropped, um, coming in through that odd future lane, you know, they had the association with odd future as the, 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 the one that could spit, you know, um, Dropping Hell Can Wait sometime 06. Incredible pieces of work. And then from there, I think lost us a little bit as lost us a little bit as fans of his, diving deeper into stadium, EDM, live show, 
sounding uh sounding tracks but then recently man since last year i think vince staples has found a whole new wave voice and style that that fits it fits word um you know i'll be honest and say i was never super big on vince back in the day um in the the summertime 06 era i was like cool i respect it um, it wasn't it wasn't heavy in my rotation. Uh, and I've checked in here and there over the years. Um, I remember specifically that uh, is it FN? FM. FM. That project. I jumped in. I was like, eh, you know, still clearly a talented guy, but um, nothing here for me. And then the self-titled Vince Staples. That was my favorite project to date when I heard it. Um, from him, and then for him to redo that again on this project, to me, this is my favorite Vince Staples album. Uh, like, I mean, it's early to say that, but I, I think, I think you're absolutely right to say that my, our man has found himself and found a, a lane that works for him, um, creatively, sonically, uh, and and career wise. Man, I think, I think he's in a great space. What's dope about what Vince Staples is doing right now is it's romantic. It's it's R and B, and it's it's something that you you want from artists that can give you like we know he can give us the street bars. We know he can give us the street bars, and like a lot of artists that come in with like the the energy of like fight the system and fight the power and, and all that, which is dope, right? They tend to isolate their sound in that capsule. It, it, it gets stuck in, in that content and in that capsule. And usually the remedy to that is, uh, the remedy to that is usually romance. It's usually romance and it's usually softness, you know. And you've seen a lot of dope artists utilize the same thing. I was recently at a Kahinde Wiley uh, showing uh, who is now like diving deeper into the romance of things, you know, uh, in, his, in his art. So it's great to see vince staples find this find this track i think i don't know why this album is so slept on though i i don't i don't understand why this is not getting the due credit that it deserves it's very uh chill in the sense that it's a little bit more down tempo there's not a lot of just all out bangers on it so i feel like heading into the summer i could see how it could get caught a little bit behind some of the other big releases that we've had um but to your point man the way that he intertwines romance and just the streets and being a man and having a code it's 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 really masterful and there are some places where if you just listen into the aesthetic of the album it feels romantic when it's actually at its most gangster right and he's his his lyricism uh has like just reached a crazy has reached a crazy point i listened to sparks fly probably three times before i realized it was about a gun you know what i'm saying maybe yeah two or three times before i realized like what he was doing there and that that theme carries through right uh the mama's boy right i love this like my mama right but he's talking about the culture that he's in um just the way that he 
And like Ramona Park broke my heart. Like the the theme of this album, what I got was growing up, falling in love with the the culture and the environment um, of of the streets, and then growing up and realizing uh, that you have to leave that alone. You and and how it's how even the things you loved about it were bad for you. Uh, and that's and he frames that almost as a breakup. It's amazing. It's dope. It's it's actually real dope. And uh, like you said, on when sparks fly, being able to have that that double metaphor, and I think that's what's so brilliant about it. You're right. The first time I heard it too, I didn't catch it, and then I ran it back in. I was like, oh, hold on, wait a minute. And then once you follow the theme line of the of the allegory, it's like it's really it's really well written and it's really well crafted. And usually, you know, when something is super dope when it's not trying too hard, even. For instance, with the 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 feature with Lil Baby, right? You got Lil Baby on there. Usually, folks when they jump on with Lil Baby, they're gonna try rapping their ass off. But that East Point prayer, it slows everything down. And Baby obviously jumps on top of that. But it's it's it's, it's super super dope, man. Even in talking about relationships, that dichotomy of uh, being like in love but also having to be hard all the time uh that rose street that's super dope uh what, what do you say what, what do you say on that rose street talk about uh like she say she in love what's that <laughs> trust was that like and, I've, and you feel that and you feel that when you're listening to it you know so um I've, for me this is i i think it might have come out too soon from the last project which we have seen Vince Staples have a longer period in when he drops music so it might be a situation that is contractually forcing him to push this stuff out but um I, I'm I love how you put together the the breakup with Ramona Park yeah and I think this album because it's so good because the, it has so much replay value so many things to pull from different listens um, it'll slowly get that recognition. I, I, I think it will. Because um, Vince is a, he's a well-known artist. He's a, he's somebody that, whose presence, he, he's on commercials. He has TV shows, but he, he has an authenticity that's so endearing when you hear, like, he's one of the, my favorite artists to hear talk. Um, and there are a lot of artists who I really like their music and can't stand when they're, what they're saying doesn't rhyme. Um, and he's not one of those people. Um, so yeah, man, not to, <laughs> bro, bro, but yeah, not to, not to belabor the point. Um, I love, I love this. I love this project. Super, super West coast, a free to homies. Uh, man, that, that has me jamming every time, every time it comes on when sparks fly, definitely, uh, lemonade playaways, bang that Rose street. Highlight. Yo man, that's, it's a, this album is just that good. Uh, that A is, is super fire. When Sparks Fly might be one of the most beautiful songs that I've heard in a long time. Um, definitely Playaways, Mama Boys, Rose Street, uh, Nameless. It's uh, this album. This album stands, man. I'm very, very happy with it. Yeah, and it's easy to make that gun sound corny, bro. Ever since Nas did the did the song as a gun, mad rappers have messed that up. Like to be able to pull that off, yeah, that's that's fire. Um, I'm at a four out of five with this joint, man. Four out of five, I'm happy with that. Mr. Miles Xavier, you once asked me a question not so long ago about Vince Staples that I found very interesting. You said, you said 
is he better than Boogie? And where does this put Vince Staples in our uh, competition of the best of the new school? Vince Staples isn't my favorite artist out of that category because it's tough competition with the Isaiah Rashads and the Reasons and some of the other dudes that are um, making noise in the game. But Vince might be the one that has the most the easiest albums to just throw on, right? These last two, I can kind of let those run in a lot of different environments. And while there are some projects that are a little bit more rapidy rap that, you know, I personally love, Vince is creating some undeniably good music um, that fits a lot of a lot of areas. So I think he might be the most versatile out of that group. Yeah, definitely. Like I, the, the letting the album run part, I think that's key because that is the consensus on both albums. The last two is that they just have such a smooth play value. Even if it might not be your favorite thing to listen to, there's no doubt that it's going to fit in every mood and everyone's going to enjoy it. You know, um, most versatile, there is a Isaiah Rashad that, that, that is there. Uh, but I do think that the talk between uh, the talk between Jid, between Boogie, between uh, Vince Staples, which would which would be our say underground kings, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, and shout out to all those gentlemen, man. You know, keeping uh, Mandem headphones just 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 filled with like beautiful and hard and harmonious things. Um, it's a it's a pleasure to be able to listen and to review and to share with you all. Part two. Now it ain't the last. It ain't the last review that we gotta do, man. We giving these guys a double take. We giving them more reviews. We we really are stepping up what we're giving the folks, Mister Miles Xavier. Yeah, and this uh, this one is a uh, this one is an important one for us to review. I think um, because of what this person's music uh, has meant. You know, there are some there's some Davies songs that have. Uh, really that have been a, a important parts of important moments of uh of, of this thing of ours my friend uh so it's an honor to be here how did i get here davies i did not know that's what the album stood for until you said it i was like hd hi yeah me too, me too. hi die hi die hi die <laughs> <laughs> rank and review davies hi die <laughs> Uh, what did you think, man? We're losing our core fans with that. Um, Davies for me has been putting out pretty, has been putting out music that I've enjoyed from for a bit. You know, I would say from the Hoffa album, that's when the that's when people were really questioning his capabilities, which I didn't fully agree with because I I, I would have liked more out of Harry Ford from that album, but nevertheless, I think Davies has been putting out pretty strong music for, for a long time that I enjoy, man. That's why coming into this, um, seeing what he did in the last album, Pablo and Blanco, which I believe we reviewed, but this is uh, another step forward in the quality of Dave East as a rapper. So um, I'm not surprised when Dave East gives me good music. I'm always very pleased when it's the type of Dave East that I enjoy, which is that hard rapper Dave East. And this is what that is. It's definitely a lot of bars here, a lot of straight rap, but the beat selection, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to make a comparison to say that he's almost uh, Rick Ross-esque in the way that he picked beats on this project. And he's not consistent the way Ross is like that. But man, the each instrumental matched the concept of each track on this album so well. And it's honestly the projects where Dave East leans into the more down-tempo, the more introspective music that I end up liking more. I mean, the man has the ability to rap over hard beats and make trap songs and make club songs, but this is this is my my favorite Dave, yo. And it and it reminds me of some of the my favorite um songs that he's ever that he's ever come out with, type of time. Uh um that's that's my favorite one so i can't even think of can't even think of some other ones but because i keep thinking of Kyrie chanel which is the name of the album um but this album reminds me of that just in the vibe of uh taking it more serious this is mature hip-hop from somebody who doesn't have to give us that and i'm glad he did the the dave east the dave has the davies hype train left um you know, I don't know. I don't know how the hype train works in hip hop anymore, to be honest, G, because it seems like, I mean, ever since even 2 Chains, right? Like, there's no, I, I think 2 Chains showed us that the right situation, the right circumstances, and the right kind of uh, rebrand can have anybody pop. So when I think of talented artists like Dave East, uh, like Vince Staples, like we just mentioned, I, I see the ups and downs and people paying attention, but I'm confident with some of these guys that the music is always going to um, be louder than than the industry, if that makes sense. I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying, and I just hope that hip-hop can make more space because like, if you really look at... Davey's discography, it's a it's a strong it's a strong discography from 2015, come uh, 2014 with Black Rose, but that hate me now going all the way through. And for some reason or another, which I can't fully understand, Davey's is uh, uh, that's the mom's that is, uh he, he's <laughs> lost his he's lost the flair. And it, it, <laughs> that's your mom calling and be like, what are you talking about? <laughs> that Davey's is hot. <laughs> My mom calling in to complain about my Davies take. Sorry, my. <laughs> but over over the over the time though is uh, he, that's my thing. He hasn't stopped rapping. He hasn't stopped putting out great music. The the Karma Three, which dropped in twenty twenty, was hot. Dropped over the pandemic. That stuff was fire. But then we come here now, and it seems like uh, people aren't giving Dave East his his due respect for some reason. It's quite odd, and maybe it could be the overpowering of the of the drill sound in New York. Yeah, maybe that's that's definitely a part of it. He doesn't sound like um, what a lot of the city is pushing out right now. But again, to me, I feel like it's really. I don't feel like who's hot always matches up with who's putting out the best music right now. Because um, under that under that kind of same lens, I see. I think Boogie should be bigger. Uh, Westside Boogie should definitely you know have a larger presence in the game. Um, a lot of rappers, even Gibbs, right, is is well known and well celebrated under the you know the people who are into the grimy or rap and who are really digging. But 
I was looking at that man's catalog the other day and was just like, this this guy does not get his flowers in in mainstream hip hop. Uh, so it, those things don't always those things don't always match up. And I think artists do themselves the best service that they can do when they stop shooting for the, for, for that approval uh, and just do them. And that's what this that's what this album definitely sounds like to me. I'm so happy that he doesn't chase the drill sound because that that sound is is quite played out and he does stick to like you say what he knows and the dope thing too is the content man they is he is maturing in this content even that after taxes that's that's so dope that's stepping into this Ross lane like you say where breaking down the game yo this is what a million dollars looks like once you finish breaking it down so heads up heads up and spit that game. And that's, you know, directly down the the Nipsey tree line who Davies was close to, dedicated a decent portion of Karma 3 to Nip. So to be able to see him kind of like pick up that same teacher's mantle that that Nip had and carry it through, um, as someone who, as someone who's, you know, as a fan who understands the proximity of those two people together and to see how he's addressed it through his music, I think is really, really dope. Hot take. I don't know for some reason, man. I still don't have a Benny and Dave East track that I fully like. And you would, and those are two of some of my favorite rappers. And you'd think you would, but nothing. Yeah, uh, I think it's a. I think it might be a case of trying a little bit too hard. Um, you know, I think there's an expectation there, and I think that they're trying to live up to it. What I would really love is just a back and forth, no hook, right? Just let just let Benny and Dave just go just go back and forth. Uh, I think that's what I that's what I would really love to hear. Um, but man, this 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 project, I love how you brought in Nip to it. Um, we're really this is an introspective Davies. Uh, my man is is like it's rare that a rapper gives a new idea. Right. We just talked about Ben Staples doing a song from the perspective of a gun. Right. We know Nas did that like late 90s, early 2000s. But when Davies does uh, John Lennon. Right. And like, of course, there's there's stuff like Stan, which is about a fan taking out Eminem. But the specific thing about John Lennon is that isn't specific. Like he mentions like he hopes a fan doesn't take him out, but also like a friend, somebody, you know, and just that struck me as kind of like novel and new and just like really had me um thinking a lot about like just that pressure and being that person and trying to and trying to you know the expectations and and the responsibilities that that come with being the person that quote unquote made it and then to look at all of those people that are relying on you and to hope that it's not one of them fan or friend or fam that ends up uh, you know, taking you out like that's heavy, uh, and I appreciated him giving us that. Nobody is immune when it comes to imposter syndrome. Nobody is immune to imposter syndrome, man. Um, Dave East, how did I get here? Official review. I'm I'm feeling a strong three point five out of this. Uh, favorite tracks for me being that those first three are first four songs to me are so 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 stellar. Unbelievable, thousand miles deeper than love after taxes. Going into even uh, John Lennon, um, I, I give it a solid three point five out of five. Yeah, this uh, this album is really strong at the at the front. Um, 
Yeah, that 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 Gregory Hines is decent too. Uh, but man, I just um, three point five sits sits right with me. Uh, and it's I just hope we get more of this Dave, right? I hope he doesn't feel like all right. I did the the slower introspective project. Let me do something else. Um, I mean, of course, you know whatever the artist want to give us, but uh, I hope he comes back to this bag. Um, and to be able to do it and have me hype. Like that, uh, I'm Fred Hampton, I'm Huey Newpin, I'm Fred Sanford, I'm Richard Pryor, I'm Denzel Washington, and Red Vancer. Like, he's like, he, I was hype, I was with him, I was with him. So, mm-hmm. shout out to Dave East, man. Shout out to Dave East, shout out to our SoundCloud audience, shout out to our Spotify audience, shout out to our Apple listeners, to everybody on YouTube, seeing our boys on the ones and twos holding it down for us because it's a for sure, we know. Oh, we know that you about to hit that bell and that like, you know what I'm saying? You're going to leave a comment. You're going to tell us what we should review next. Uh, we want, we need that engagement. We appreciate everybody who is tuned in. We know that you could be anywhere in the world and you here with us, right? Joining us in this celebration of celebrating, the celebration of life, the celebration of how good it feels to be black. Don't it feel good, way? It's my favorite thing, man. And we hope it feels good to be you. Whatever skin you are in, big, wide, thin, don't matter. We love you. We appreciate you. We hope that you eat something delicious. Hug somebody you love. Like that. Peace, water, we gone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. I get that. But is we live, though? Is we, like, all the way live, though? You heard?